Hi there. Welcome Hi to another episode of Open World. Today here with us, we had Vlad, one of the co-founders of Neon Doctrine. Welcome, Vlad. How are you today? Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's great to be here. It's evening here, so you know we're in the opposite sides of the world, but uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Well, we finally managed to arrange our candlemares and make this happen, so we're pretty excited to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Um, so... Um, this is a recurrent question in this video cast, uh, but this is the reason why we brought you here and we brought we bring all of our guests here is because we want to know uh, about our guests' beginnings in the video game industry. So how did you start working in this field and would you like to share us more about your story? Um, I mean, my first job was with EA in Spain, um, where I was a QA manager uh, at the team there. That's when they still had the main headquarters, European headquarters in, mm -hmm. in, in the Madrid Peninsula. It wasn't in the city, it was outside. Uh, I think now they moved to Belgium or, or, or something. Anyways, um, yeah, and I worked there for about almost two years. Um, and after that, didn't work in the gaming industry for a while, did some other stuff. And then I ended up in China where I was doing my master's and I met one of my, one of our co-founders, uh, when I was in China, uh, was one of, uh, what an evening at a bar where we were playing board games. Uh, and it turned out that they were living very close to my, where my apartment was and they just got the first. Uh, generation dev kits for um, Oculus and Samsung VR. Cool. So they were like, "Hey, you want to come by and check out the 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 all this new VR stuff when it came out like you know, eight years ago or something?" I was like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, I want to check it out." So I went there and um, kind of started hanging out, playing, and you know, the, the company kind of found it. Another indie at that time, but we rebranded to Neon Doctrine about uh, half a year ago. Um, uh, so we all started in China. We've been there for like uh, the company started there about seven years ago. Uh, and about three years ago, we opened up a new office here in Taiwan. So the majority of our team is now here in Taipei, but we still have our uh, China team in, in Xiamen in, in China that handles all the China stuff, the publishing and the PR and all that jazz. And how many people are behind Neon Doctrine right now? Oh, I need to do the uh, five. The rough numbers. <laughs> you don't have to name them all. 17, 16 people. Wow, wow. that's amazing. Um, yeah, we started with three of us working in our apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and now we've great. grown. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the the asian market wants to publish their games in the chinese market especially for a western indie dev right that oh man i <laughs> we don't have so much knowledge uh about the the asian market so you do um, when, when it comes to china i i did a bunch of speeches about this and the short answer is as a foreign developer you really can't do anything 
yeah. The long answer is you need a partner. Um, right. so there's yeah. two ways to go about it. You can either do it on local platforms, but for that you need a local entity and you need to give away your copyright ownership and IP ownership to that entity in China to help you get all the licensing and go through the government censorship. But because you're a foreign developer, 99% of the chance you will not be granted that license because they're super strict. There's a huge back catalog and they're prioritizing local Chinese developers to get license. Uh, and all the games that get through are, you know, happy-go-lucky, very uh, non-political, non-religious, no blood, no gore, nothing like yeah. that can get through. Um, the other way you can go is just, you know, do, do the proper localization of your game so it has good simplified Chinese. Um, and then you do all the PR and marketing and the social media and outreach. But again, if you have no connections, you you need to either work with a, a PR firm in China or you sign with a with a Chinese publisher or a publisher that can publish in China. Because you know all the social platforms are different because everything in from the West is banned. So China has their own kind of internet bubble. Yeah. And plus, there's cultural differences. How do you how you approach press and media, how you approach influencers? So a lot of that thing is very well. It's not the same as uh, the way you do PR uh, in the West. So um, you need to find somebody who knows their stuff. You guys, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's where we started. And you know, if uh, nobody speaks English, so if you don't speak Chinese, you're kind of screwed as well. Um, mm -hmm. So you need. Yeah. You need you need boots on the ground when it comes uh, to China. It's actually the same when if you want to publish your game in Korea, Japan, um, and you know Southeast Asia. It's a little bit easier, but because it's so fragmented, again, you need to find somebody who knows the market very well. I can target all these separate countries because getting a PR firm for every different Southeast Asia country is very expensive. Uh, so for, for indie developers, it just doesn't make sense. Um, you're better right. off with just a single entity handling this uh, for you. And overwhelming as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially just if so you much. don't handle the language, if you if you don't speak Chinese or any other languages for that matter from the Asian market, it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. Well, the, the answer wasn't that long in the end. Get yourself a knowledgeable partner. So they can do it. Yeah, for that's you. The, the short version. But like the long version is explaining why you should do it and why can't you get the the, the local license? Because uh, you need to have a Chinese company, and you can't found a Chinese company as a foreigner because the Chinese company in China can only be owned by Chinese people. So yeah, <laughs> there's just literally nothing you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, we recommend our audience to follow Vlad on his socials because. He usually, as he said, he's a public public speaker, and he's uh, usually giving talks and sessions around different events and conferences, uh, talking specific about the Chinese market and how you can enter uh, through. I wouldn't sport. call myself a public speaker, but yeah, when they ask me to talk <laughs> well, about yeah, something, I usually say yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we, and we, your we... talks are very entertaining as well. So yeah, <laughs> we don't call we, we don't call that. ourselves uh, YouTubers either. But hey, here we are. Thing to be. Yeah. Um, so since we're in the gaming industry, we would love to know, um, what are your favorite games and if there's anything that you're playing right now that you would like to recommend to us and to, to our audience? 
Um, uh, yeah, so that, that that's a tricky one because I, yeah. I I always get stuck with this question when I get asked. It's like, oh, what's your favorite game, or what what like what's your most light, most played game? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I play so well. I used to play so many. Now, when I started working in the industry, I don't get to play as many games as I thought I would. Uh, <laughs> that's a constant in all of our guests, yeah. in all of our teams. You play just, less. All of my friends who are not in the gaming industry, they're like, oh, man, you must be playing video games all the time. It's so awesome. I'm like, man, no. Or the games I get to play are like unfinished prototype or pitches from other developers that, right. you know, it's not the full it's game. It's work. Yeah, it's work. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I was actually a huge fan of MMOs when I was a kid. So played a lot of World of Warcraft, played a lot of EverQuest, Guild Wars, the, the first one, and of course played the second one. Uh, Final Fantasy, 11 and 14, Lineage, so pretty much a bunch of MMOs that came out. Wildstar was one of my favorites, but that died. Um, and yeah, a, a lot of uh, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, like uh, RPG type of, type of ones, CRPG ones like Torment, um, Pillars of Eternity, uh, what else? A bunch of side-scrolling games, action games. <laughs> Counter Strike a lot as a kid. We used to, because <laughs> when I grew up, I didn't have a PC when I was still a kid. So we had all those little internet cafes back in yeah land parties, land parties in Argentina. We had those too. But wait, I, I I got caught up in World of Warcraft. What did you play? Horde, Alliance. I kept swapping back and forth. Uh, I used to. I used first. I used to start ah. with Horde, and then when I was in Spain, I would we my my buddy recruited me into Alliance because uh, like the, they had this massive <laughs> European guild like Mana de Lobos, and uh, so he was like, "Oh, you got to play with me." So I started playing uh, with, with them again, and then before that, th then I swapped back to Horde, and then because um, for example, now in Taiwan, there's this loophole: you don't need to buy the game anymore; you just pay subscription, you get all the latest expansions and everything. Um, oh. There was just some mishap between the two companies before. Um, yeah. Oh, but uh, yeah, a lot of Counter-Strike as a kid, we used to rent out the internet cafe. So they was they would lock us up during the night in the internet cafe for those like eight hours. And we could, you know, this bunch of 11, 12 year olds just sit there and like play Dusk or like mini militia maps if they Dusk. weren't enough people. And... All knife, all all knife, please, and someone would come. Uh, that, yeah, MP5. yeah, all knife or pistol or pistol versus yeah, all of that. Or you know when they had like those like sniper maps and things right? like that. Yeah, I mean, and I blood. remember doing the same with Doom and of of course also with the Counter Strike. Oh yeah, Doom, Quake, Hex, and uh, yeah. Blood. How much uh, these games, because we, we've been talking before uh, to our audience uh, about Vlad's favorite games and all, but I want to know how much all of these games that you played as a kid, right, inspire you, you nowadays uh, in your line of work, right, to how, if they are, have inspired how you choose the games that you uh, work with. Funny thing, actually, because the games I used to play as a kid, don't realign with the ones that I like now or the direction we're going with. Because right now we're really into, you know, Metroidvania, horror, bloody, gore, gore, gory types of games. And as a kid, like, I, I couldn't play those. Don't, don't really had many of those uh, uh, 
uh, available uh, to us because you know we we didn't have Nintendos because it was all banned. So we get we got Chinese bootlegs like Dendy. Uh, those like thousand and one cartridges. Um, yeah, we had this, the same in Argentina, but it was called Family Games yeah. <laughs> here in Argentina. It's yeah. same stuff, yeah. Uh -huh. um, um, but I, I guess I mean I, I used to play a lot of Diablo and like I said, like yeah, Doom Hex and these types of games. So I guess that did have some sort of effect on me. Um, uh, but because uh, you were asking about right now, right now playing what the, the ascent is pretty good or uh, what cyberpunk should have been uh yeah. our buddies at Akopara released grime um so if you like you know hardcore 2d action uh metroidvania type of games that one's really good as well uh we're gonna leave the, the link uh somewhere <laughs> over there yeah i i, I downloaded the ascent i downloaded the ascent on game pass pretty good I, I, Pretty a good. few days ago, but I haven't got to it yet. It's a bit more optimized on Steam than it is on Xbox. Okay, um, good to so know. There's that, uh, but it, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I, 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 quite quite fun. Um, what else? No, no nothing else comes. The, the rest is just word games, right? Because we have so many games coming out, and everybody's just. Busy. How many <laughs> games do you have coming out now? Uh. Because well, the pandemic screwed everybody, so a bunch of games that were supposed to release last year got pushed back because some of our developers got sick uh, with COVID, so I everything got pushed okay. back. Uh, they're better now, they're fine, yeah, because everybody's kind of young and healthy, so no. still suck, okay. but nothing dangerous. Um, so yeah, we have Lamentum coming out like at the end of this month, on the 31st of August, which is like a old school survivor horror game uh then we have jack x coming out the month after which is a super hard um, co-op platformer um well single or multiplayer always mess up the description you can play it alone you can play it with up to four of your friends um and then after that we have the uh, legend of tian ding which is the, the 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 game developed by taiwanese devs here uh which is like a 2d kung fu action game based on the colonial taiwan where it was occupied by the japanese in the early 20th century um and then and then we have a bunch of games lined up like january february march as well <laughs> no fixed dates but it's just like because then this hazel sky is coming out which is actually a, a studio from brazil um then we have oh my brain is fried then we have my lovely wife which is like a succubi visual yeah. novel horror model adult story um then we have project althea is coming out which is can't really talk much about it because it's still yeah like, you left me hanging uh, in, in which uh, which was the conference that you were in showcasing all of these guerrilla collective I, yeah i saw project yeah. althea looked great and then you just oh went, yeah it's, oh, it's I can't so show good anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so good though it is so good but uh yeah I can't, we can't show anything yet but next year we'll have some well, stuff awesome uh, and then we're yeah then we're gonna announce a new game during the indie houses event um later this month mm -hmm. oh, there's gonna be really a whole cool. another kind of big presentation with a with us and a bunch of other publishers 
Um, so yeah, busy, 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 busy. <laughs> well, we'll make sure that we follow you on your socials to keep up with all the news. Um, so from what you're saying, you're collaborating uh, with studios from all over the world. I heard a project from Brazil, uh, so also Latin America. That's very yeah. I mean, the majority of our developers are still from Asia, Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. you know, chi China, uh, mainly because there's not many publishers here. Well, well, very few, like I can count them on one hand, the people who are decent. Uh, uh, and there's a lot of talent here, but most of the Western publishers don't really look at Asia. So they all focus on Europe or, you know, North America, mm -hmm. States or Canada. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of missed opportunity. So actually, it's you know it's it's the same when it comes to like South America, Middle East, and Africa. Um, still not a lot of exposure. Um, so yeah, most of our games are predominantly Southeast Asia, Asia, and like, I'd say maybe like seventy five percent, and then the rest. Then we have some some games from uh, from Europe and some from states and some from uh, South 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 America. Great. So, and I want to go back to your early stages um, managing QA teams because I'm very curious um, here because you mentioned that you you collaborated with big players such as EA Games and also Microsoft, right? Oh, um, Microsoft had nothing to do with gaming. That was just, I, I was working. I was a part of the team who did like networking for Windows 8. So that there, there's no crossover with that. I was. <laughs> <laughs> engineering regarding... boring boring engineering <laughs> but i bet you learned a lot about managing teams right uh so oh no it, it, <laughs> it they weren't that good that, that's why windows great... 8 was so bad when it released a bunch of people quit because they're like we're done with this well including me and you know you got a month two months later where they released the 8.1 patch that fixed everything um <laughs> Um, so yeah, but uh, okay, yes, QA at EA. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's hear Focus all about. On that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, about uh, your experience at EA Games as uh, a QA manager, and I wanted to know if there are any best practices or any lessons uh, that you learned from those times, because there's not much information around uh, QA specifically. So we're. Um. Yeah, because you know, everybody everybody does it's. In their own way, mm -hmm. like, yeah. uh, like I like I said we saw before, I can't really talk details <laughs> from mm. EA times because oh, no, all of that course. stuff. Oh no, of course we don't want to break um, any, any NDAs. Um, but... Under NDA, but yeah, yeah, like I said, I can tell you how we do it. Yeah. So yeah, because might, I mean, it, might not implemented some things from. <laughs> no, but um, it will be from the things that you've learned, right? So. That's what's yeah, important. best practices uh, yeah. or even mm -hmm. um, platforms or processes that improved your your ways right now, right? Um, so if we're not gonna not to go into like technical details about like you know storing your builds and setting up all the depots so that our teams who help with the porting and QA and testing have access to those and you have like all remote work set up so it's easy to store your code and make it secure. Uh, but ba basically, uh, our flow is like the developer sends us a bill, and depending on how busy we are at the moment, normally like one two weeks, uh, then we provide them feedback. So the bill is sent, and our QA team plays it, tests it, and then we pretty much set up a separate board for the developer that he can access, and all of the 
all of our playthroughs um, are recorded. So we host it on our server. Mm -hmm. And then if we see like all the game breaking bugs or like there's like some general suggestions or like game balancing issues, all of that gets the video gets cut, uh, the clips gets uploaded, clips or screenshots uh, to see, to tell the developers like, okay, no, this is broken, this is not working, here's some bugs, this is what you need to fix, here is our general feedback, so, you know, maybe this is better, maybe that is better, and then they decide if you want to do it or not, and then regional suggestions um, when it comes to, you know, Europe, America, China, for example, uh, different controller inputs, uh, mm -hmm. you know, key, with, with the keyboard and mouse, and then the controller, because you know, some of the stuff is not the same when it comes to um, Asia and and uh, the rest of the world. So some some things needs to be changed. And then we have a whole separate board when it comes to LQA. So for the localization part, it, it it's all separate uh, uh, because. When we first get the build before we start localizing it, uh, we we do a little test on different languages to make sure that the text boxes and everything fits, especially when it's like Russian or, or, or Chinese, that the fonts that are being used can be converted in all these different languages. Because sometimes, well, sometimes, most of the time, it's, it's just a bloody mess. Um, so make sure that is all in place before we start, uh, you know, doing localization, implementing all the languages. Because if you do that, then it just like breaks the game and it's it's a headache. So make sure that that stuff works and you know the the fonts are there, the 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 Unity plugins or whatever you're using, it's it's all correct and proper. And then we start implementing the text. And once the text is implemented, we do a separate QA for localization. So then it's like kind of like branches out. Like one is for the gameplay controller support etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it comes to localization it's, it ends up being in a separate branch to see um, you know, just for the text that it doesn't break the text boxes it's all there proper you can read normally the spaces are normal because you know with chinese sometimes characters break or you can't read them or the font doesn't support and with russian it also can be a mess because well, because of the spacing mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes it's just five, six words, they just merged in together or they break words apart. Yeah, so it's, it just ends up being a nightmare. So right. we do little tests before, uh, so make sure everything is fine and functioning. And then we dump the text and then start going through the game and checking out uh, the, uh, make sure that it all works. Um, another thing we do is we do a lot of uh, open and closed betas, both on Steam and our Discord. Um, so we, you know, set, we have our own, kind of like forms for people to fill out for their bug submissions and general feedback. And then we get all of those together, compile the reports and um, upload it to our, let's say Trello board and the developers can go through them and our QA team can go through that and see, you know, what makes sense what or what what's, what doesn't make sense. Because uh, not all feedback is good feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And another thing we have, well, this is not about, kind of like QA, more of, I guess, more of like bug fixing and stuff. We just have it set up in our Discord as well, so that when people play our games, if they encounter any bugs, we always suggest them to post it on Steam, but if they're too lazy, we have a special channel in the server that every time they can post their little clips or screenshots or description of the bug there, and that automatically gets re-uploaded to our QA board with all the images and videos that get posted. So then it pings up directly for our QA team and the developer so they can check out right away. So we don't have to scroll through all the different uh, feedbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we have, we, we, we have, we, we have a lot of games. Um, 
uh, and it's just one channel, but it sorts by the game. So different developers don't have to like, you know, scroll through other feedback games. It automatically gets reposted to their own uh, specific board for their game. And then they can go um, from there. Um, I think that that it's great that you you involve the community and you you listen to them and you apply. I'm, it's um, it's been a massive help, and <laughs> you know one thing we do is like everybody who participates in our open and closed betas and who provide actually some tangible feedback, they they always get added to the credits of the game as you know testers or support. Um, so people are happy. They get free games. They get to help out. They get to feel involved and and give us some ideas and suggestions. And keeps the community active and interesting as well. Absolutely. Well, you you have over ten k members on your Discord server, Vlad. If I'm not uh, mistaken. There's a counter on top. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I'm. That's close, why I'm... Close, close to eleven. Close, yeah. close wow, to that's amazing. Yeah, we're also going to leave the Discord link uh, <clears throat> in the comment section as well. GG so slash everyone... ND. It's very easy. Yeah, it's super <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah, everyone should join and check out all the games that uh, Vlad has been mentioning and also to check out the community because, yeah, it's it's amazing how you can interact with them and check the, their feedback, as you said, and... These are some, well, the things that Vlad is mentioning are some of the benefits of working with a partner that knows what they're doing, because sometimes mm -hmm. indie devs uh, don't have the experience, the time, the money, the energy, or even the people to get uh, solve all this um, stages that you mentioned through the localization process, including QA. Uh, yeah, because it's just so, so much work when it comes... Mm -hmm. When it all comes down to releasing a game, it's not just, you know, making a game, but there's there's a lot of other stuff behind closed doors, like a lot of bureaucracy and paperwork, especially if you're dealing with the, you know, different platforms and then, you know, you're dealing with tax, well, the payments, like is your company properly, all of that stuff is a, is a nightmare to deal with. And there's, if you've never done this before and you're doing it for the first time, you're probably going to make mistakes and screw things up. So if you don't want to deal with it, um, you know, public normal normally a good publisher will handle all of that for you, so you can just focus on making your game and don't have to deal with anything else. Uh, on that note, is there any specific strategy that you apply when choosing the languages that you localize the games into? And um, to follow that up, are the devs involved, or did you do you get on a video call and you decide? Where you're gonna target your game? How does that work? So, so in our case, you know, English and Chinese we always do in house. Um, so there's no question about it. And all the other languages, it really depends on what type of game it is and how many words there are and which state it's releasing. For example, if it's an early access title, we're not gonna do a lot of languages because with early access, you want to be active, release of updates and all of that. And if you have like eight, 10 languages for an early access title, it becomes a nightmare to QA and localize every little update you do. So you just focus on like a few major ones. Um, again, if the game has uh, 250,000 words, then probably not going to localize like in the, all the languages that we normally do. Uh, but a lot of it depends, um, like I said, like the genre of your game, the type of the game. So we kind of do some market research to see which regions perform well. Um, 
for these types of games. And we look at our previous titles and see where it's sold. And, and then we compare the costs of the localization versus the actual revenue. Uh, and yeah, we, we, sit out, we sit down with the developers and then we figure out which languages we want to do. Um, because, you know, a lot of the times we get uh, requested Spanish, but guess who doesn't buy games? Spanish speakers. There's a lot of them, but they're they're very vocal. But just the revenue isn't there. You know, you end up spending like fifteen, twenty thousand uh, dollars on local. You know, okay, I'm I'm exaggerating right now. No, it's like more like four or five thousand dollars. So not a huge localization job. Uh, but then the revenue isn't just there because everybody pirates the game, nobody buys it. Uh, you know, it's the same story with a few languages. So we just have to kind of figure out where it makes sense. Obviously, if the developers are like from South America or Spain, like Spanish is going to be there no matter what, or you know, Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. Uh, but uh, unless there's like a really good reason um, to localize in certain regions, then there's just no point in uh, wasting money because budgets are limited, you know, uh, as much as we want to make it available to everybody, we also have to look at this through the, you know, marketing and business perspective. Um, yeah. But normally we do, we try to do, you know, uh, Chinese, English, Japanese, Russian, German, Spanish, Brazilian, Portuguese, more or less. Yeah, you then, have your focus on the, 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 the languages that you offer or that after the market research you recommend. Yeah, so where, where, where it makes sense, you know, and if the developers right. really want to push a certain language, we're not going to say no, but yeah. Just... Yeah, and going back to, to what you mentioned about uh, piracy here in Latin America and in so many regions around the world, I believe, I mean, I'm hopeful that this is changing. I mean, um, especially since Steam uh, localized uh, their currency, at least in Argentina, right now they did it. The regional pricing, seen, yeah. yeah. And I've seen uh, a change in that as well. But yeah, it's slowly, but hopefully surely changing. It was quite funny. <laughs> they did the localization and then everybody swapped to Argentina to buy cheaper games for cheaper. Yeah, Which... I know. Well, but I think you cannot do that anymore because it picks up, of course, uh, where you are. And if you do like... Uh... You can still do it with a VPN. You can still do with it with a VPN. Yeah. And then there's yeah. still ways to get the local currency on your account, which I'm not going to talk about for obvious reasons. We're not recommending this at all. Um, yeah, please don't do that. Uh, but also what happened is the big publishers, for example, like Capcom and Bandai and Namco, all, all their games, they just remove regional pricing. So if you go, for example, you go to Argentina or, or, or Russia or China and you check the price, the price is still, you know, full $60 or $70 for that game, no matter which region you're in. Uh, so kind of screwed some people over with that because, you know, people started abusing it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to piracy, I, in our case, you know, I, we don't really bother with it. I mean, if if people were to buy the game, they would have bought the game. Like if they're if they're pirates, they will pirate, and it do, it doesn't matter. Like if, if they, they, it's really hard to convert. Maybe they'll pirate it, they'll really like it, and they'll come and buy it. Great. But if not, it's fine. You know, it's just just the way of life. It is what it is. And you know, some people just can't afford to 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 pay uh, mm -hmm. full price for the games, and that's also fine. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not like it's killing us or anything. It's yeah, it's I remember. Fine. Yeah. 
it was way worse when we had the physical copies over here. I remember people gathering in parks and exchanging the piracy. It was the, it was the underground metro station for me where they would sell all these uh, bootleg CDs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> Pretty much. Because like in in Russia, they 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 had like these official piracy publishers, so they they had their brand. And they oh, were like producing really? pirated CDs and selling them in stores and everything. Since then, they've gone official. I'm not gonna say who it is, but since then, okay. they're still they're still a publisher. They're still active, but they don't do the piracy stuff anymore. They just publish games on Steam and things like that. But yeah, everyone when I was has a kid, to start somewhere. Yeah, when I was a kid, they they, they were the ones who were doing all the piracy discs and just selling those. Yeah. Well, people like us wouldn't have the chance. Wouldn't have had the chance to play games back then uh otherwise yep. so thanks yeah absolutely folks. <laughs> good or bad we got access to pretty good games back then so yeah um so before going to uh the meme section i want to ask you um young blood, oh god what did i send you <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. would young blood um play the games that you're actually publishing right now what do you think um <laughs> Some of them for sure, like the 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 the, the bloody gory ones, uh, so my parents wouldn't see. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kid me probably play the shit out of these games for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your parents wouldn't approve, but at the same time, oh man, my parents still don't. It would approve. make it more fun, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> But Compared to happens. my previous jobs, they're like, "Oh, what have you done with your life?" <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, we we talk about with with Thor sometimes that um, in our line of work with video games and everything, right? When we, I mean, we get excited about things, right? And then we probably talk to our parents, and they don't really comprehend the whole excitement behind it, right? So I think it's a generational thing. Yeah, uh, but it's, oh, yes. definitely. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I work in video games. I get paid to play video games. I make money out of it. And it's like. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Hey, uh, I can't complain. <laughs> so let's go to the meme section. Uh, so yeah, with the new Switch version, we made the screen bigger. <laughs> it fixed the joint contestation, right? <laughs> you fixed they did the not. Drift issue, right? Well, I think I love this. Actually, I don't think we should. I th they they took it apart, and some people said that they added a little foam uh, cushion. So I, I I don't know if it fixed the issue or not, but like all of my left ones are wrecked. <laughs> they, mm. they can always improve. What? Where is my hand? <laughs> <laughs> I I just finished binging Loki when you sent me that email, so I was like, I need, I need to put the little little alligator in. <laughs> but I think everyone loves Loki. I mean, in my case, I love it's him. A good even show, more than yeah. I love I Thor. yeah. Really enjoyed it. Tom, what are you doing here? <laughs> you don't want to do that, to family. Vin Diesel meme, family meme is everywhere right now. <laughs> yeah, people hated it, but yeah, I was like, man, I, I found it quite funny. It, it was cringy, but I don't know. It's just something always tickles me with this one. It, it, apply do that to family. 
it works in so many levels. That's the thing. Exactly. Mm. Sorry for bad Sorry English. For bad. <laughs> if I make a mistake if... in English, please don't correct me. Yeah. I have no respect for this language. <laughs> oh, that, that that's just me. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's just me. Uh, it, it's just, uh, yeah, no, it's me. <laughs> I mean, I, I always say like, um, that if you make mistakes, it's because it's not the first language that you speak. It's your, yeah. your native language is something different and it means that you speak more than one languages and that. Is... Yeah. So I, I, I never got the idea of people getting pissed off. I'm like, I, if, if somebody starts talking like. Estonian and Russian to me, like I, yeah, and if it's like you know a bit messy and fucky, like I, I don't care, man. Good for you for learning because exactly. it's, it's a pain in the ass yeah. to learn these. Exactly. But we always get you know the native English speakers who are just being assholes. Oh man, especially here in Asia. Oh man, oh, oh the, the the English teachers like I've met in in, in China and here in Taiwan. Sometimes oh, it's really? just They're too strict. pretentious. No, obviously not all of them, but like the ones that are just here for the um, party. Yeah. Uh -huh. Anyways, <laughs> move, well, moving it on. To me with with German, actually, that I I lived in Berlin for for a couple of months and was learning German. And whenever they listen, I was uh, destroying their language. They automatically changed to English. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, they don't do that in Spain or France. They're just like, nope, you got to speak French or, or Spanish. and uh... Do your best, and your best is going to be better than trying to speak in, in English and either Spain or French. <laughs> or France. Um... Yeah, the, the Wolverine. <laughs> this one's true, because yeah. only got one post that hit hot. It was a post about this promotion that... Uh, China Telecom, China Mobile did like six, seven years ago, uh, yeah. where they they made a big ass calculator that looks like an iPad. So yeah. we just took pictures and be like, I ordered an iPad, and this is what I got. And then you turn it around, and it's, it's like, it looks like an iPad, but it's just like a massive calculator. And, uh, yeah. That's your post that reached that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Just one. <laughs> well, this, Wait, was this, this a... was this me? I don't think no, it was me. no, no, no. We no, added a couple. Yeah, we added a couple. Yeah, no, no, no. We added a couple. Yeah, uh, yeah. When when the queen wore that green thing, uh, and then people started using it as a green screen and photoshopping all sorts of stuff on it. Oh, oh man, that, that was, was cool. great! I had to ask permission with with, with one of well, one of our co-founders because he because he's from UK. And I was like, can I can I like mess with this and like put like our company logo as her dress and stuff like that? Like, will, is it offensive or not? He's like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> I thought you you checked because you never. Know yeah, that. yeah. I mean, he's from Scotland, so he doesn't like the Queen, anyways. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> oh, this is another one from uh, Lara and. Ah. Our team. We play on the gaming chair for PC gamers. Console gamers play on the couch. Mobile gamers play in the john. Well, that's pretty accurate. The drone. <laughs> that's the drone. Yep. Yeah, I can't, I can't even argue with this one. 
the face of the mobile gamer poor guy it's like why are you taking a picture of me right now <laughs> yeah it's like don't bother me i'm playing don't bother me yeah this this cracked me up even more than it should i think it just goes to show my sort of humor our meme round we had so <laughs> those were great thanks vlad uh, thank for sharing you. yours yeah uh thank you so much vlad for for joining us and for sharing a bit more about your journey within this industry and your experience behind a publishing company. It was very useful yeah, no I for, for our audience. <laughs> and thanks again for staying up this late. I mean, I know it's Friday night. It, and... <laughs> it's not super late. Um, yeah, I mean, we got lots of work to do, so it's not like I'm going out to bars and partying. Uh, yeah, still kind of can't. Well, actually... Actually, we can now. Yeah, they lifted the whole thing. So yeah, could could be outside drinking, but. Uh... <laughs> well, I hope uh, you, gonna... you get some rest, and we can wait to to hear more about the new games that are uh, you're going to be publishing in the next well, couple of months. I, I'd say just mark your calendars for August thirty first. Because that's when we're gonna have our the indie houses event with you know Neon Doctrine and then six other publishers. We got Akupara, Raw Fury, Whitethorn, Fellow Traveler, those awesome guys at Tog uh, Productions. It's because we're oh, gonna have a massive event. Yeah, yeah, seven there. publishers. Yeah, seven that's publishers. incredible. There's gonna be an hour-long segment, more or less. Uh, probably more, hour and a half. Uh, so everybody, each of the publishers is going to have their own like 10, 15 minute uh, video roller presentation thing about what what's upcoming. Uh, and then we're going to have a big event on Steam with a bunch of keynotes from the developers, you know, like uh, free to play demos, well, demos to play for everybody. Right. And then, you know, new game announcements, games on sale, um, things like that. So if you want to know what's going to be next in for us and our other friends, then just tune in for that and, and you can see all the crazy stuff. And it's going to be me with the cat this time in the, in the video. Like yeah, during yeah. Gorilla Collective, it was. Uh, <laughs> What's the name of your cat? I don't remember. I, I, I believe you showed it through. RT. Gorilla uh, RT. Two RT. Cats. And two, the other two. one? Wait, let, me, let me see if I can get the, the fat one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Cat cameo. <laughs> We made it. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh look at, at that. that fluffy oh. Boy. <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. Almost He's a lazy KG. one. Yeah, wow. yeah. Almost 7K. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea how much that is in pounds. Probably like... Uh, I... Right. Yeah. <laughs> seven kilogram yeah oh thanks thanks for for sharing rt with us too uh <laughs> everyone you, tune in august 31st to hear more news about neon doctrine and all the amazing publishers that will be joining vlad and thanks again vlad for joining uh open world uh thanks everyone for tuning in see you thank on you everyone yeah, thanks for having me Take Thanks, Vlad. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.